And I'm Craig. And we just watched Zodiac! Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July. I want you to print this cipher on the front page of your paper. He wants his code in the afternoon edition. Ray Smith, don't you have a cartoon to finish? The Zodiac Killer has come to San Francisco. Another letter. School children make nice targets. He gave himself a name. Greek. Morse code, astrological signs. This guy's used them all. I like killing people because man is the most dangerous animal of all. How does one do that? I like puzzles. I do them a lot. Got any hard suspects? About uh, 90 an hour. I'm up to around 500. You got four crime scenes. Not a single usable print. You can't think of this case in normal police terms. He's breaking the pattern. Glenda said you were a cartoonist. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what are you doing at the gun range? I just want to help. What are you, some kind of boy scout? Eagle scout, actually, first class. Well, I've been thinking. Oh, God, say it was There's no evidence, Robert. What do you mean there's no evidence? You have him seen with the ciphers, the military boot prints, the bloody knife. All circumstantial. Why do you need to do this? Because nobody else will. Dave, you made a mistake! Get away from the window. Paul, are you okay? No. Why'd you do it? You put your face out there for him to see. Hello? Who is this? Zodiac was my job. It's not yours. He's still out there, Dave. Killing is his compulsion. It drives him. It's in his blood. Jeez. What? Squirrels. This is the Zodiac speaking. I've begun. I can give you a lift to the service station. Do you always go around helping people in the night? I'm not the Zodiac. And if I was... I certainly wouldn't tell you. Are you sure there's nobody else in the house? First, first podcast of 2018, the year of our Lord. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. Jeff, this was your pick. Why did you pick it? Because uh, you suggested it. <laughs> And then uh, I suggested I like, it. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember <laughs> that. We should watch the Zodiac. I was like, that's a great idea. Oh. Uh, yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> it's I, I'm a big fan of a uh, well, most of David Fincher's movies. Um, Why do you say most? Is there some um, that... I liked uh, what do you call it? Benjamin Button. Yeah, Benjamin Button, but not as much as like Fight Club and and Zodiac and Seven. I can't even think of his what his most recent stuff. I guess would be I don't even know what his most recent movie is. He did the girl with the dragon tattoo, yeah. American version, and then Social Network, obviously. Yeah, but I don't remember Network. the most recent stuff. I don't remember what he. Yeah, I feel like I, I'm, it's something like kind of obvious, and I can't remember. But he's yeah. done like House of Cards. He's been involved in like what? I think he is like trying so hard not to look it up. Oh. <laughs> Oh, yeah, your magic fingers. And his Alien movie was... Mm. Oh, I forgot about that. Alien yeah. 3, yeah. yeah. Alien cubed. Yeah. He did uh, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Oh, there you go. Yeah, that, was you go. Yeah. And that was a good movie. It says he's instrumental in the creation of House of Cards and Mindhunter. Don't you watch that? Yeah, Mindhunter. Yeah, it's a good mm. show. 
And mine and like Zodiac almost feels like a prequel to Mindhunter. They have like a similar feel to them to oh. me. Uh, Which I pointed out on Instagram and other social media outlets that uh, one of the leads in Mindhunter was in Creepshow too. Huh. He was yeah. uh, the uh, the the character with the great hair in the um, oh. the first segment. He's <laughs> like, this hair is going to get me paid and laid. <laughs> that guy or whatever. He, he went on to be. Is he one of the main two yeah, characters yeah. in the Michael Myers? Yeah, he's the guy from a Fight Club. It's like his name is Robert Paulsons. Oh. And, you know, and then he—he's the guy that he's like the mechanic who like the priest walks by and he knocks the Bible out of his hand and sprays it mm. with the water hose. Hmm. Um, okay. but yeah, like when you met you messaged me that that like oh the guy from um, Mindhunters was in Creepshow too, and I was like, I. I think you're. I think we're talking about two different people here. Because <laughs> at first I thought like he must he must think I'm talking about somebody else. Because we because I had messaged you like oh that's the guy from Fight Club. Yeah. Uh, then I looked up like Google Image and I was like oh my god that is him. He looks so different. <laughs> like he was all thin and he yeah. was. I guess he was supposed to be like a Native American and yeah he's a, he's in brown so face. He's, not, uh, he's definitely in brown face yeah. because he his name is Holt McCallany or something like that McCallany. Mm-hmm. So he's. Very Irish-looking, you know, white guy. Um, He's a good actor. I like him. He's been in the... I feel like in the early... Or not the early. Maybe, like, late 90s, early 2000s. He was kind of popping up in things here and there. And, like, Uh, we talked about recently, he was in Justice League. He's, like, the first guy that Batman beats up for information or whatever (laughs) in the very opening scene almost. (laughs) Yeah, he's the one he's standing, like, right next to Batman when he's like, Alfred! (laughs) Alfred! (laughs) Bruce Wayne! (laughs) Like, Maybe I can what? sell this info. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was just like a, like a really fun, this kind of callback to Creepshow 2, one of our earliest episodes. The first one Kia was on. Wee! Yay! Yeah. Um, so you saw us in the theater uh, yeah. back in the day. Did you see it multiple times? What's your experience uh, seeing I it? Saw it? I saw it once in the theater, and then when it came out on DVD, I, I, had, I used to have the uh, director's cut edition like the case looked like the the letter oh. like San Francisco police or San Francisco Chronicle rush to the editor or whatever nice um, but I got rid of all my DVDs years ago so I don't have it but it had a lot of cool special features that had like a, a documentary about the Zodiac killer on it yeah so. do you remember all that stuff did you like kind of do a deep dive into Zodiac um, or yeah I mean I remember like years ago when we did the Jeff's digital audio experience featuring Craig oh. talked about the Zodiac Killer at one point because this guy had a claim that his uh, stepdad was the Zodiac Killer and that he had all these these this evidence to prove like he had the hood or he claimed that he had the hood with the right. Zodiac symbol on it and then uh, he had this knife with like dried blood on it and all this stuff and um, a recording of his his late stepfather uh, you know, admitting that he was the Zodiac Killer but um I think that guy was just looking for attention, like, looking back. Uh, I think that kind of happened when the movie came out. It revitalized or, like, rekindled interest in it. Because I think uh, 
a couple of departments, you know, that were involved in it reopened the case. And like you said, some people came forward and that sort of thing. But I don't think it ever led to anything. It just kind of, yeah. you know. And I, when I was, you know, after we watched the movie, I, uh, I went online and was kind of like looking around. I watched that documentary again. It's on YouTube. Went into the military uh, during that he was gone during that gap when he didn't the Zodiac killer didn't send any letters or anything and uh so I was looking for that so I could talk about it here and uh when I go when I when I went to cnn.com and looked it up I found another thing where somebody was saying that their dad was the Zodiac killer uh some guy who was uh like orphaned when uh he was a little kid or like a baby, when he was like 39, he was contacted by his birth mother, and they he went looking for his birth father and found out that, well, he thinks that he's the Zodiac Killer. He's, you know, got handwriting samples, and the picture, there's a picture of him online where he looks like, just like the police sketch. Yeah. But, um, I mean, who knows? <laughs> I mean, it, I, I read some other articles kind of debunking that, so. But he wrote a book called The Most Dangerous Animal of All. Mm-hmm. Um, but which I haven't read yet, but I, I would like to read it and see what what he has to say about it. What's what? Uh, real quick before I forget about it uh, during the movie, I'd forgotten so much about this movie. I mean, I think I only saw, saw it once in the theater and remember liking it, thought it was great, but never really feeling the need to go back and revisit it. So mm-hmm. a lot of this was kind of new to me. Like I remembered some of the scenes, especially some of the funny banter between Hall and Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. But otherwise, the case-specific stuff and a lot of the, the dialogue was kind of new to me. It was kind of fresh. When they brought up uh, The Most Dangerous Game, mm-hmm. the RKO movie... Here on my island, I hunt the most dangerous game. Yeah. That excited me just because I, I've only recently seen it. Like, it was a couple years back I saw that one. And uh, it was made by the same studio that made King Kong. Mm-hmm. And they used, they shared some of the same sets and everything with King Kong <laughs> and some of the same actors. I mean, I think the cast is, it has Faye Ray. She's one of the main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just one of those little, like, factoids that kind of stuck in my head, you know, as we were watching it. That it was kind of cool that uh, there's always a King Kong connection if, you, <laughs> if, if you're me. So, yeah. yeah. What about you, Kia? What did you think? Was this the first time you'd seen it? Or no, you I seen think it back I the might day? have seen it in a theater. Yeah. And um, seen it maybe like a couple of times since on TV, but it had been a while. So I didn't, like I remember a lot of the scenes, like the taxi scene and the park scene. So I remember some of the scenes, but I didn't remember everything about it. Oh, uh, just before we get too far into it, uh, Kia, do you have IMDb pulled up by any chance? Or a synopsis? Mm-hmm. I was thinking uh, a very brief synopsis, if possible. Um, synopsis? Well, would, some, would, you like, <laughs> would, would you like, Jeff, would you like to try to just briefly describe the movie and what it is, just in the case someone listens to this and they don't know? Yeah, well, Zodiac is about, you know, the Zodiac killer. He, uh, it, It's really about Robert Graysmith, the guy who wrote the book about the Zodiac killer. Right. And, uh, you know... Oh, I don't, I don't think he's good. <laughs> okay. Thank you, though. It's, it's yeah, just... That's basically yeah. it. A serial killer in the late 60s and early 70s in the San Francisco Bay Area. Boom. And yeah, like you said, Graysmith, the uh, cartoonist for what paper is it? Uh, San Francisco Chronicle. Right. And is it Paul Avery? That's yeah, the, Paul Avery, played by uh, Robert Downey Jr. Right. 
who is the crime beat reporter, yeah. they kind of, in the film anyway, team up to investigate the Zodiac. And uh, the lead detective played by... Incredible Hulk. That's right. Tony Stark <laughs> and the Hulk teamed up. <laughs> to Science bros. And maybe future Batman, right? Exactly. It's pretty cool. I like making those connections. <laughs> and it was before they had even, because I was like, Iron Man had come out. No. Oh, yeah. And um, no, was Peter was like, like, no. So I was like, oh, so they had no idea. Right. They're about yeah. to go on this big adventure. For sure. <laughs> that was the other thing, watching, re-watching this. I haven't watched it in a while and, um, and kind of thinking about the Iron Man thing and just thinking like, He's playing the same character in this movie that he plays in the right. Marvel movies. Like, his personality is very similar. He's even got, like, the same facial hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, like, he created what we think of as Iron Man now. Like, Iron Man didn't have that kind of personality pre-Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's a very dry... In the comics, other than being an alcoholic, Tony Stark is a very dry character, a very, you know... Uh, mm, interesting. Downey Jr. definitely brought, like, the sarcasm and... You know, witty remarks. That's kind of something he brought to it. You mentioned when we were watching it that their relationship in the movie, the Zo- in, in Zodiac, is kind of similar to right how they interact in the Avengers, or they're kind of the same. I thought you mentioned something that we were watching. No, no, I just thought it was cool that uh, yeah, like the science bros of Marvel, you know, uh, yeah. Banner and, okay. and Tony Stark, or whatever, were in a movie together okay. before it got kicked off. Or yeah. I, that's all. Like, not that they really. Had the same banter in the movie. My favorite scene in Zodiac, though, is that scene where uh, Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith are at the bar, and Robert, uh, yeah, Robert Graysmith is drinking that blue drink, and he's like, "This can no longer be ignored." It's called what are you drinking? Aqua Velvet. <laughs> yeah, and we like. Do you know about the drink? Yeah, I look oh, at the okay. recipe. I want to make one. Well, you know, because we because I had recognized the name, and it's like a shaving cream. Yeah, and we thought that it was like the aftershave was named after the drink. Hmm. And like the the, lo- the logo for the aftershave was like your skin will take a drink or something along those yeah, lines, or a drink for your skin or something. Mm-hmm. So yeah, 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 I totally thought it was the reverse. Or, yeah, it looks but, delicious. Yeah. It does. <laughs> it, makes, it looks like it would taste like coconut. This can no longer be ignored. What is that you're drinking? It's an aqua velva. Well, I wouldn't make fun of it if you tried it. That scene where he shoots the uh, cab driver, this is just like a technical thing, but I loved that shot of the, the cab from above and like the camera follows yeah. the angle that the, yeah. the, the car moves. I was like, oh, that's really It's cool. a very stylized <laughs> movie. Yeah. Because even at the very beginning when it opens up and it has like San Francisco and big letters kind of imposed over the city. Yeah. It's very, um, it's very stylized. It could have just been a straight crime True crime movie. Yeah, that's a good. That's a really good point because I think they did a good job. The filmmakers did a really good job of marrying together a police procedural with a newspaper movie because it's basically like it's reporters and cops and they're inter- intermingling and yeah. uh, like when one both pairs you know there's two police officers, two detectives, and two reporters, kind of two guys working for a newspaper, and when one drops out for each one, they kind of combine the kind of cross section where. The detective starts working with Gyllenhaal's character, Graysmith. Grace, Grace Smith. Grace Smith. Um, but I think they did a great job of that because a movie could have been made about either one. Yeah. You know, it could have focused literally just on the reporters or it could have focused literally on the detectives. Yeah. Um, but they chose to kind of like have them cross over or whatever. Um, I also think uh, they did a good job of like not s- sensationalizing things where like we're going to make, we're going to go a little bit 
over the top with this to make it more entertaining for the film because like just from the documentaries and stuff that I've seen it seems like what they show in the movie is pretty much what actually happened right so I thought that was pretty cool and I, and I read somewhere that uh, Fincher chose not to recreate any um, Zodiac scenes like with the killer that didn't involve either survivors or eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the first, what's considered the first Zodiac killing isn't shown on screen because yeah. there were no survivors. There was mm-hmm. no one that saw it. So yeah. he chose to kind of bypass that one. And we open with the couple making out, you yeah. know, in the car or whatever that he shoots at early on. I think those those are all super effective. All the scenes with yeah. the Zodiac killer, particularly the one in the park, right? Yeah. With the couple having a picnic in the park and he walks up on them. Somebody else is here. It is a public park. I think he's watching us. Well, we're very good looking. Where'd he go? Right behind that tree. All right, so he's taking a leak. He's coming towards us. That's um, a rough scene to watch. <laughs> And the whole time, it's even it, Key and I were talking before you got here, Jeff. Like, it's so easy to second guess what what the characters would do in that yeah. situation. Because I was already like, "There's no way I would let this guy tie me up." I would, you know, even with him having a gun on me from a distance, I'd be like, "I'm going to try something." Yeah, because yeah. you're like, even from a, di- you know, he's walking, he's dressed head to toe in black. We we leave, and I remember watching it. and I was like, yeah. "Get up, go, leave!" But yeah. you're probably thinking, "This is the last thing that's going to happen to me. Is I'm going to be murdered?" Right. So why would you? You'd be like. This is going to be a weird interaction, right? Yeah, you wouldn't you know? expect like him to pull a gun on yeah. you and try to stab you. It's him. in daylight. It's in the middle yeah. of nowhere. That's yeah. true, but it's daylight. Yeah. Right. Oh my god, he has a gun! Don't move. I want your money and your car keys. Okay. We're not going to do anything. Okay. We're going to cooperate. Just tell me what you want us to do. And um, I was taken aback by just how um, pretty it was. Like when it the shows, scenery, yeah. yeah. When it's looking at the at the couple, there's like a lake behind them, and it's beautiful. It's what they call it, pastoral, pastoral. Almost. Yeah. And then <laughs> you look, and then there's like it's just like, um, and I'm assuming that's a similar location to where it actually happened, if not the location. location. Yeah. yeah. So well, it's like that's that's a really good point. That's kind of what Jeff's touching on too, right? This idea that. They didn't sensationalize it because that would have been very easy to put some creepy woodland, you know what yeah. I mean? Make it make it creepy and already had that idea of like, oh shit, something's gonna happen. But instead, you're right; they make it look scenic and nice. And I would totally go there and hang out and boom. Yeah, and they know? also didn't make the killer look like a. They didn't go over the top with him being like almost like a super villain or something. Sure, he's not Jason Voorhees. He's not seven yeah. foot eight. You know, yeah. he's from a distance and he's like wearing this weird looking outfit. Right. And, mm. But that scene where he's he's stabbing them is like so oh, off putting and sure. like hard to watch. Did you? Um, I was going to bring up the the scene that came to my mind when we were watching it. Um, American Horror Story Freak Show. Yeah. Did you, you, you watch that mm-hmm. season? Remember this there um, the episode where um, is it Smiley Twisty 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 the Twisty the Clown, the clown mm-hmm. um, comes up on that couple that's in the park. Right. Yeah. And we were watching that. I was wondering. I wonder if that's where Freak Show got it from. Yeah, maybe um, there was like a. Homage, a week. yeah. A weird well, homage to a real. And that would make sense because Twisty is played by the same actor 
that plays the biggest Zodiac suspect. Yeah, Arthur Lee Allen. John Carroll Lynch. John Carroll Lynch, right. The Cheese Man from um, Walking Dead and the second season of... Um, Channel Zero. Channel, Channel Zero. Zero. He's so yeah. good. Yeah. He's he just is. a great actor. Great understated actor. He can be scary yeah. and so sweet and sentimental yeah. at the same time. It's really creepy. And he was in that McDonald's movie. Uh, Mac and Me? No. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, the one that had that. The founder? Keaton. Yeah, the founder. He's in that. Ooh, He's really good that. I was like, damn. Like, I thought, oh, maybe he was like the older brother or something. I don't know. So excited. And the, the funny thing is, in, in everything I've seen him in except for that, he's he's like this kind of creepy character. Right. But in uh, in the founder, he's like this really like sweet, nice guy. Hmm. And uh, you believe him in both, both yeah, roles. Sure. Like, he's good at being creepy and good at being nice. Well, the cool thing about him playing creepy, though, is he looks so mundane. Yeah. He looks like a dude that you would see, like, either at a fast food restaurant and you see him, like, eating a burger or whatever. Or he like, looks so his boring. Ca- his character on Channel Zero, he's just a dad. A dad, He just looks right. just like the best dad in the world. He right, seems yeah. like he would be just awesome. Just a sweet, yeah, yeah. kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's great casting. Because, again, a lesser director, you would you would cast, uh, you know, uh, fucking, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think really of some big, scary actor. Man. Yeah, I mean Tyler Maine, who played Sabretooth in X Men. Right, you you you'd cast this huge lumbering guy or whatever, and uh, it's cool that it's this kind of shrimp, you know, schlumpy, like balding or bald. Yeah, you know, every man. So what about because we haven't talked about the scene? Um, well, never mind the scene with the um the baby. Yeah, because we don't. I think they were saying that that might not have been the Zodiac at all, right? Yeah, like, it may have been someone else, but the Zodiac took credit for it. Copycat? Okay. The Paul Avery character said something that I I really identified with. Do you know that more people die in the East Bay commute every three months than that idiot ever killed? He offed a few citizens, he wrote a few letters, and he faded into footnote. Because I think I've mentioned in a previous episode of this that, you know, I, I, I don't mean to sound like a Puritan or a Puritanical, but, like, I, I don't really like romanticizing killers and right. murders and stuff like that. I, I think there's something weird about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean to judge people that like it. Um, but I mean, there's this, this really big trend with like murder podcast and right. here in Nashville, we're going to have a, a crime convention in May uh, with all these speakers. And they're going to talk about, you know, death and murder and stuff like that. Is it like the investigation? Is yeah, it's, it's, yeah. 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 It's, it's, and it's in the investigators and stuff. They're not going to have like, you know, serial killer featured, you know, yeah. guest or surviving family members. Right. I mean, it's not going to be that macabre, but, um, so yeah, like I've always kind of like not been super into that stuff. Um, yeah. but again, if you like it, that's fantastic. But, uh, Paul Avery's character in a certain moment mentions, like when Paul, when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character, uh, Graysmith, yeah. when he when he shows up at his houseboat and he's like, "Hey, we should write a book about this," or whatever. Paul Avery's very dismissive and he's like, "Listen, this is like just some dude." And uh, like he shows him the watch, you know, the ad for the watch, and like just how mundane a lot of these elements are. It's just that they maybe took it a little too seriously, almost. Like right. a guy maybe just taking credit for a lot of these deaths mm-hmm. and a lot of these killings, when in reality it was done by different people and it's not yeah. one organized effort. It's just a guy wanting attention. Um, and I, and I kind of I, I'm glad they included it because I kind of felt that way a lot. Where yeah. I'm kind of like, are we deifying uh, just some dude that wanted a lot of attention and wanted to call uh, a celebrity on TV and you know yeah. make a big stink or whatever? And it's not really a guy that's actually doing all this stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Like, like I, I kind of had that input as well made as the movie was, as much as I liked it. Like, I did kind of have that feeling of like, should we really be talking about this still? Is this really something we want to keep cycling through every few years? You know, for me, it's just like a, the mystery of it all is yeah. what intrigues me about it. Is because the you know they never caught him and they don't know who it was. It, it's it's like reading a mystery novel and then like the last like ten pages have been ripped out where they don't, where they don't tell you who the sure. was. <laughs> sure. But it's real life, you know, and there, you know, there's real victims here and stuff. So that's, uh, I don't, I don't want to like glorify them or anything. I mean, I think it's awful what happened, and uh, but I think the movie is like really well done, and I don't think it really like glorifies him well, or anything. It's like, extremely well researched too. I think yeah. they hired private investigators and interviewed any living eyewitness to include. Uh, the one surviving uh, victim. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, they, they they tried to be as respectful as humanly possible, I would think, to, to make this film. So, Question, because at the end, I was like, it's definitely Arthur Lee Allen. That's the guy that, that John Carroll lent to that they thought towards the end, that Graysmith, at least it seems, thought did it, right? Mm-hmm. I, and I, I, didn't, I haven't read his book, so, but in the movie, it made it sound like they definitely ended with this is the best potential person. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end, when it has that little summary of what's going on, it said in, in one particular area where the case is still open or a cold case, it, mm-hmm. he still is their main lead, their main suspect, Arthur Lee Allen. Mm-hmm. So I was convinced at the end, I was like, it's got to be him. I know he, they did a writing sample and, and it, it didn't match the, you know, some of the writings that he had sent in. Um, but at the end, the character, the, one of the survivors... Um, in a photo lineup identifies author Lee Allen and I was like you know okay and Craig had pointed out that the, the Zodiac book that was written by Gray Smith who Jill Hall is playing mm-hmm. the Zodiac book had already come out so you know it's possible this guy read it it's, maybe it's possible this guy has heard this name thrown around and that's why he yeah. pointed him out in a photo lineup and I didn't I didn't know they also did DNA testing and it Cleared yeah, it cleared him in, uh, in his... And plus the movie is like wanting you to think it's that guy too. But he, there was a lot of circumstantial evidence pointing to him. Like, I mean, it was like a lot of like... I guess my... Oh, go ahead. I guess my question was, this guy that pointed him out in the lineup... Yeah, Liam McPoyle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the survivor that pointed him out in the lineup, like... Was that legitimate? Like, did he read the book? Did he know the guy's name? Because I think the names are included in the lineup. Were there pictures in the book? And if not, if he hadn't read the book, if he hadn't heard this guy's name and he hadn't seen the picture, but mm-hmm. he's like, eight out of ten, I'm sure that's him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just kind of it kind of ended on this like like what if it's really this guy? But I guess it can't be DNA ruled him out. I don't know. Well, in a in a movie that <laughs> involves so much uh, like. Like labyrinth, right? What is that saying? Like it's just uh, obsession. The movie's more about uh, this guy losing his life, exactly. being obsessed with Zodiac. Yeah. You know, he, he he loses his wife. It, it seems like he loses most relationships in his life because of Zodiac. Um, so to me, that's the perfect note to end it on because yeah. he's never going to know. Graysmith, as much as he wants to say, I think it's this guy or whatever, mm-hmm. technically he's never really going to know. Yeah. After all this, you know, literally decades of obsessing over it, he's no closer than anyone else really. So, yeah. 
So, yeah, maybe I mean, because in terms of like the modus operandi or whatever, there was nothing <laughs> really consistent amongst all the murders, right? So, right. the stabbed one was a random taxi. For sure. Driver, summer couples. Summer couples. One's a lady with a baby. Ages. Uh, you know, like, yeah, you know yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, so maybe it was like mm. one guy killed one person or two people and then took credit for all these other ones. And then maybe somebody was a copycat and we're just like, hey, I'm going to catch in on the Zodiac thing. But the, mm. the handwriting is the same. Maybe the guy who was sending the letters in was the same guy who was writing on the door of the car. And uh, well, and didn't uh, they say that uh, one of the phone calls to the um, remember when they were doing the the TV program with the uh, lawyer that was like, "I'll help ya," like yeah, played by right. Brian Cox, sort of. Or, um, like, didn't they say they traced it back to like a mental institution or yeah. something? One yeah, of the phone calls? Up, that was like a fake, right? Thing, so yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that's. All this stuff is just, like, thrown into a pot where it's, like, this separate events, separate people screwing around yeah. and just enjoying the attention, enjoying, like, screw. I mean, think of, like, modern-day internet trolls, mm-hmm. people that claim they're going to, like, have these huge boycotts to movies or that they're super upset about things or, you know, calling a, that, the whole phenomenon of swatting where they call, you know, they make someone, a SWAT team show up to someone's house because they're mad about a video game and stuff. Right. I mean, people are capable of doing so much stuff when it's the comfort of their own home, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I just feel like that's what, I, I mean, I know it's not very glamorous, but I feel like that's what happened. And again, I, I know nothing about this. I watched a movie. Right, like, yeah. I'm not claiming to <laughs> do anything even, about it. That's even kind of worse because then if it's more than one killer, yeah, then it's like they drop the ball. But it's like uh, Mark Ruffalo's detective character points out, you know, that past year when he's talking to Graysmith, there had been 300 ki- over 300 deaths in San Francisco, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, homicides or whatever. I mean, people get killed all the time, and a lot of times yeah. it's really horrible ways and everything. Um, yeah. So attributing it just to one guy doing, you know, a handful of them isn't really that, that big yeah. a deal, really. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of shitty, but... It's it, it's the yeah it's it's like sort of it's the mystery of it and sort yeah. of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, the cryptids or whatever, right, or whatever it's called. The um, like it's something from like it's ciphers. Yeah, what the ciphers. It's yeah. like something from a movie that played out in real life. You know, or it's yeah. like oh, also back to that. Uh, I was telling you about that guy who claimed that his dad was the Zodiac. He one of his. Uh, you know, pieces of evidence that his dad was a Zodiac was he found his dad's name in one of the ciphers. Because, you know, he has that one that's like, if you if you figure this out, mm-hmm. my right. name is in here. Um, but he's also looking for his dad's name in there, too. So that's... What was the name? Uh, Earl Van Best Jr. He found, like, his whole name? Uh, it was E.V. Best Jr. in the cipher. That's, um... <laughs> that's not like, you know, the last Very name common is name. Yeah. 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 We found it. We've solved the case. <laughs> we know it's this guy. Yeah, but uh, I mean, who knows? I mean, um, yeah. If you like Google his name, you'll you'll find a bunch of stuff about him on online. Oh. And there's like pictures of him and everything. But uh, yeah, who knows? I don't know. I don't know who who it was, and um, and I don't think we'll ever really know. I mean, it's just terrifying, like the movie, because like no one, none of the people that were killed did anything wrong. They just yeah. decided to go the part today or like there was a one lady that I looked up after the movie that they mentioned in the movie but I think they determined or assumed that she wasn't a Zodiac victim was um Sherry Joe Bates the college girl that was killed like come from the library and they briefly showed 
like a little note that she had left to her dad. It was like, Dad went to RCC library, something like that. And that was like a real note yeah. that she really left. And um, yeah, it's just like, she just wrote this note, going to the library. She wasn't doing anything wrong. Yeah. She, was she, in, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time, but is it the wrong place? It's the library. Yeah, it's just, just uh, very scary. Just random, like, you know, it could happen to anyone, you know? Yeah, like, I don't like those type of things. But, and uh, obviously, in the movie, as well researched as it is and as thoughtful as it is, they do take some liberties for narrative sake and everything. Because I think I read that Paul Avery and Grace Smith weren't friends in real life and didn't really associate with each, uh, each so other. So the drink scene much. wasn't real? I, I think That'd that was be a lot cool. of slow That's why that scene was yeah. so great. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, may, maybe they shared drinks one time and that was like a little quip or something, but like, hmm. apparently they weren't friends in real life. And like a lot of people that knew Avery were critical of the movie making it. Because they were like, you know, the movie portrays it as though he just had this really horrible decline yeah. right after Zodiac, and in reality, he lived much longer. And, and that's something I pointed out. I'm like, he looks like he's on death's door in this yeah. movie, but he died shortly before this movie came out. No, no, no. And he died in 2000. That's what I mean. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. But um, still, because it made it seem like in the 70s, like right. he was just he's already he's on oxygen. Yeah, and, he, he, yeah. and even though four years have passed, he's already gray, and like they added <laughs> yeah. wrinkles and stuff like that. And you're like, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, he's doing drugs and stuff. So maybe, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, in reality, if the dude lasted another 30 years, then <laughs> he could have been that bad, you know. Yeah, like, really. um, so they took some liberties there, which that's that's normal. Um, and I think they a lot of people have mentioned, or Dave Fincher mentioned over and over, that the Anthony Edwards character, the other uh, yeah. detective was the one that took painstaking notes. So anytime that Grace Smith isn't involved, apparently it's pretty much from him, like the, the really the really detailed notes that he took. Mm-hmm. And they tried to show that, I think, mm-hmm. a lot in the film. But the police officer, the other inspector, Mark Ruffalo killed, I mean, Mark Ruffalo played, mm-hmm. um, only recently died. He died like yeah. two weeks ago or something. Yeah, I saw that online. I'm so, yeah. yeah, okay. I, didn't, I, I thought it would have gotten a lot more attention than it did. Because I didn't, I didn't know about it at all until yeah. told me. I mean, I, I saw a lot about it because, um, like they point out in the movie, that detective also inspired um, Steve McQueen for Bullet and Dir- Dirty Harry is loosely based on Zodiac, yeah. the original film. Yeah. You know, I also so learned that, that while watching this right. movie because I didn't know that. And I've never seen Dirty Harry. So, cool. Are we, um, we covered that pretty well? Well, I want to touch on the big controversy of the film for me and Kia when we were watching this movie, Jeff. <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, 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 no, wait, wait, wait. No, no, I, I need to... No, okay, no, go ahead. Go ahead, Kia. <laughs> Even though I brought it up, you go ahead. Yeah, you do it. <laughs> All right. So when we were watching the film, I saw I saw this actor. <laughs> right. Would you... Would, if you saw this actor, I'm showing Jeff an image of the actor in question. Jeff, who do you think this actor looks like? I have to, I have to say, I already saw this post. And I already know what the whole thing is about. But I will say this, and I'm not just saying this because you're my friend or anything. But when I was watching the movie, I thought the same thing. When I was like, that guy kind of looks like Niles Crane. Okay, Boom. but the thing yeah. is, so hold on, no, no, no. Let okay. me let me paint this for the listeners. Okay, we were paint, watching the movie. Paint it honestly. We were watching the movie, and um, an actor comes on screen about an hour in, maybe a little, an hour and change in. And he looks just like David Hyde Pierce from Frasier, Niles from Frasier. And I'm like, oh, wow, that uh, David Hyde Pierce is in this. <laughs> and Kia's like, that is not what? David Hyde Pierce, you idiot. And I'm like, oh, no, Kia. I'm lying. Kia, he looks, idiot. Oh, he, looks, he looks a lot like him. I think that might be him. And you're like. Okay, 
now Craig, I have to stop. You look it up. <laughs> no, you're not being honest. This is what really happened. He was like, oh, I didn't know David Hyde Pierce was in this movie. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, that's not David Hyde Pierce. And he was like, <laughs> and Craig was like, <laughs> yes, it is. He's like, no, it's not. And Craig's like, I'm going to look it up. Are you ready to be wrong? Or something like that. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I said, so this guy grew taller and gained weight several years after Frazier went off the air. Um, well, I will say this. I thought he looked like David Hyde Pierce, but I knew that it wasn't him. <laughs> I, thought, so, I thought without I'm a doubt. Middle of both no. So. Kia's, Kia's oh recollection is correct. I, I, not only did I say, are you ready to be wrong? I said... <laughs> What, what are you going to give me when I'm right about this? What are you going to give me? Like that, like, you know, I mean, just so confident. Yeah. And then when I looked it up, I was like, oh, I was like legitimately heartily laughing because I just thought it was hilarious. And I, you know, I'm like, you're going to question the girl who watches Frasier on a daily basis. I, I assure you that is not David Hyde Well, and I, just for reference, I took this to, uh, but he does look like him. I took this to Twitter and uh, mm-hmm. to, to Instagram. I posted an image of this actor. His real name is John Humphrey. He only has a handful of credits. This is easily the biggest he's thing he's ever like been the in. The biggest regret in my life was that I was born. David Hyde Pierce. Everyone thinks I'm him. And, people, uh, people used to tell me I looked like David Hyde Pierce all the time. Really? really? Yeah. I don't see that. Thanks. <laughs> I, I like David Hyde Pierce. No, I, mean, I, I like anything. him too. I just don't think... I, I bet think, this actor probably gets that quite a bit. Uh, um... But a lot of people, overwhelmingly, David Hyde Pierce was who everyone picked, by the way. We got quite a few responses. Um, the only other one that really came up consistently, actually two, Bradley Whitford from Get Out. Remember mm-hmm. the dad yeah. in Get Out? A lot of people oh, thought he looked yeah. like that. I didn't really agree with that, but I kind of see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, several people said, said Neil Patrick Harris that thought he looked I like him. Yeah. Both of those I wouldn't have gotten on my own. Um, but yeah, overwhelmingly people said no. There's another scene this actor pops up in the movie from a distance, and I'm like, okay, I can see if I was running really fast and I looked over. <laughs> if you're running I, past the TV, I can see he looks like him, but I just I just knew it wasn't. Yeah. Um, well, that but was, you were so certain. I really was. I really was, and I th- I thought I was just gonna like ace it, and then you know, yeah. When I read your post, I thought you were saying like we were watching the movie, and you and I was like that kind of that guy looks like uh, David Ike Pierce, and you were like he looks nothing like him. That's how I tried to like set it up just yeah. now, but no, that's not. But what now that I hear the real story, I'm kind of I'm on Kia's side because <laughs> he does look similar, but he yeah, he's, for sure. Yeah. Well, like, I didn't know David Hyde Pierce is in this movie. That's the last fucking thing I have to say about this movie. <laughs> what, do we want to rate this? What, what's, what's everybody's rating? A plus for me. A plus. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I'll say an A minus. And that's only because I don't like unsolved mysteries. I love that show. <laughs> <laughs> so just for reference, you would rather them tack on, even though it's, a, it's this super well-researched movie, and they're trying to be true to real life. You want them to like add like a scene where it's like Brad Pitt kicks open a door and he's like, "I'm the Zodiac," and they shoot him dead. Like <laughs> we got him. <laughs> like no. you, you want, you know? I'll give it. I'll give it an A minus. Not because it's unsolved, because it's not. That's not their fault. But yeah, I'm giving it a C plus. What? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Rewatchability. Go I don't, to hell. I, I just <laughs> don't. I don't think it's something like I see why I never bothered to watch it again. Like I just, I liked it. And I, I recognize it's a really well-made movie, and there's some scenes in it. Oh, the scene with Roger Rabbit, 
Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, yeah, where, where Gyllenhaal's character is trying to get this film reel from this eccentric guy, and they go into the basement, and he kind of, it's slowly dawning on him that, like, I put myself in this situation where I'm with this guy that might be the Zodiac Killer. In 72. This tip is how you got it in your head that Rick is the Zodiac. That in the poster. The poster. Um, the poster that Rick drew. The handwriting is the closest that we have ever come to a match. Rick didn't draw any posters. No, he drew this one. Mr. Graysmith, I do the posters myself. It's my handwriting. I won't... I won't take any more of your time. Why don't I just go and find out when we play that film? But that's all right. It's not a problem. Just down in the basement. Not many people have basements in California. I do. Yeah. Which is a great scene. This top hilarious because early in the, earlier in the movie, when Robert Downey Jr.'s character is meeting some random person, he's like, "This is dangerous. I gotta warn him." And I'm like, "But you're doing this. You're going yeah. to some dude's house <laughs> at night." Just a few scenes later, basically. Yeah. He's like, "Come down in my basement." <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, he's great in that, by the way. Like yeah. he, he really should get more character work like that, probably. Um, as much as I recognize it's a good movie and I enjoyed it in the moment, it's just not something I want to revisit. So I'll for put me, this it needs in perspective for you because even though it's it's you don't like the true crime stuff, yeah, yeah. At least it was true, and they took some liberties. At least it was, I'm assuming, consistent with the murders. Mm-hmm. How the people, how the people were murdered, and things. Like, it didn't take liberties with that because I think that would be disrespectful. Which is another movie did, which I don't remember what it's called, but it has the the British girl from um, Agents of Shield in it, and it's about the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. And they took liberties with how some of the people were killed, and yeah, I just yeah, found yeah. that to be disrespectful because it's based on a true story. So the Zodiac didn't do that. Yeah. So even though it's based on a true story, and that might not be your thing, at least they were respectful. In that sense. Well, and everything's relative. I mean, there's probably all kinds of movies that I, that I really enjoy that are based on true events or um, involve. I mean, think about how many people love Titanic, you know, and it's like this love story set to the, you know, this sinking ship that killed a shitload of people and yeah. a lot of people really suffered, and, you know, but like. We're all concerned about Jack. Sure. I mean, these fictional characters <laughs> and stuff. I mean, there's all kinds of movies like that. Yeah. So there's nothing wrong with liking this stuff. I'm not trying to say that. It's just personal taste thing. Yeah. This is not something I like very much. So, um, I'm kind of with you uh, on some of that stuff because some of the, like, I, I can't really, like, look super deep into serial killers. Right. Like, I have friends who are just, like, all about, like, like, like read books about them. And yeah. Also, and, but, like, it, after a while, like, if I watch too much, I, it starts making me feel weird, feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Like so, for example, we, when we, were, we I watched uh, Zodiac, and then uh, I also watched like Mind Hunter, like right before that, and I was like, I need I need a, like a palate cleanser, so I watched like three or four episodes of Seinfeld in a row. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is too dark. <laughs> I'm the macabre one of this group because I deep dive stuff like this. It's really weird, and I watch Investigation Discovery, and I want to see. So I'm not, I don't want to say that, but I, I want to see crime scene, crime scene, I want to see what happened just because it's, it's, it's 
don't know. It's just yeah, interesting to me. I'm not judging anyone for it either. Like, yeah, I, I, I see why it's uh, intriguing and stuff and why you yeah. want to look into it. Like, but like, like you said, like crime scene stuff, like, like real crime scene photos that I can't, I can't do like the real stuff. Like it freaks me out. Like I was watching the, the OJ Simpson documentary and I think in that documentary they showed like a photo of the crime scene. And I was like, whoa! And I had to like right. look away from the screen. I was like, oh my God! Like it's just... He's weird. I can I look at that, that more than I can in a horror movie. In a horror movie, I'm like, I was closed. But the OJ Simpson scene, I will look at that and I'll... Mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of goes back to, I mean, I've always loved zombie movies and... Uh, gore in movies never, almost never bother me because I know it's fake. Like, right. like I'm just, you know, I know it's silly and over the top. And I mean, something that's in Evil Dead or the original Romero zombie movies. I mean, all that stuff is like fun for me. It's not something that's gross for me. But yeah, like real footage of people suffering and dying. Yeah, this is not appealing to me. It's not something I want to seek out. Um, maybe when I was much younger, I did. But again, I mean, you know, not, not to chip on shoulder, but I mean, I've dealt with death row inmates that have killed people and some of those people were really high profile people and so for me it's like <laughs> it's too close you know it's it's like i've dealt with these people i don't i don't need to seek it out elsewhere you know it's what not I mean? that it appeals so, to me it's just i find myself trying to wonder what these people went through yeah and i'm like it baffles me like what this person just like went through well, and I imagine that a lot of people that love this stuff, or not love it, but are really interested in it, it's cathartic for them. They probably had things happen to them where someone close to them died in a way that they couldn't control. And, and there's something cathartic about, you know, researching these things. So we, I, I forgot what the average was. You both gave it A's, right? A minus, A, A plus. A plus, I guess C plus. So that probably averaged out to like yeah, a B plus. B. Thanks. <laughs> You're the guy that ruined the 100% for Get Out. Suck it, David Fincher. <laughs> You're the Armin White of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's sign off. Signing off. I'm Jeff. I'm Kia. And I'm Craig. And we just reviewed Zodiac B. It sounded like you said, and I, Craig. <laughs> I probably did. <laughs> social medias uh, twitter and instagram i put out there that we are watching zodiac and we're discussing zodiac and i asked uh our followers uh, what do you guys think are some of the best horror films thrillers inspired by real events and uh, we got quite a few uh, comments uh adam our, our our friend adam he mentioned uh dalmer and bundy are both good good flicks uh, also also Wait, two separate Movies or is there a that would be an amazing <laughs> buddy buddy film. Dumber and buddy <laughs> together for the first time. <laughs> They're two killers <laughs> on the <laughs> together. <laughs> it's like an odd couple thing. 
No. Hey, Dahmer, not again. I'm just reading his literal <laughs> response. Yeah. So, but, Jeff, can you get your head out of the freezer? <laughs> I don't have enough room for my pot roast. Jeez. Look at that Um. But yeah, so Dahmer and Bundy are both good flicks. This is what Adam said, by the way. This is not me. Um, and also Helter Skelter and Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Hmm. Definitely Psycho and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, even though they are just loosely based on real-life events. Um, which, by the way, I responded, I didn't even know Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer is based on a real event. Like, uh, that just absolutely terrifying that that's based on real stuff. What is Psycho? Seen... Oh, sorry. I've never seen it, but that's that one with, uh, what's his name in it? Michael Rooker. Yeah. Michael Rooker. Yeah, it's, a, it's pretty brutal. What's your event is Psycho based on? Uh, Ed Gein. Uh, oh, I didn't make that connection. Yeah, so that's what all the taxidermy Cause I stuff. Tax- okay, because um, because he's the one that wore people, right? Again, yeah, yeah. So that, but that's not in Psycho. Well, no, but he preserves his mother, okay. uh, like Ed Gein supposedly and did. And that's also what inspired Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Well, it's partially, yeah, and then also uh, Buffalo Bill and Hannah and Sansa Lane. That's a great. Like, who does that? Yeah, like. Well, it's obviously fascinated a lot of people because it's inspired a lot of movies. Yeah. So it's a fascinating thing, not in a cool way, but it's just yeah. like that hasn't happened since. Hopefully, he was, was more it? known as a grave robber too. I think. I think oh, he God. did a lot of like digging up people. And wasn't he from Wisconsin? I don't know. <laughs> I think I think him him and Jeffrey Dahmer from Wisconsin. There's a lot of know, something in the water. There's nothing, in nothing to do out there. Um, I guess it's it's all Ed Gein and. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, Dan Harmon and no. Well, yeah, that's what I was, I was gonna... trying to make a joke, and I just blanked on <laughs> the red letter media people are not yeah. far off Milwaukee. Oh. Yeah, Milwaukee. Um, so uh, our friends, uh, the Silver Shamrock podcast, who they're a horror podcast as well, but they're based in I think Chattanooga, so they're oh, cool. also Tennessee people. Um, they said, always thought Ed Gein was solely the inspiration for Chainsaw Massacre, was surprised to discover how much of this story inspired Psycho, um, which, again, we, we just touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, Did Ed Gein preserve his mother? I think he uh, kept his mother. I don't know if he, how well he preserved her, but I think he... Uh, dude, that dude is crazy. Um, crazy. And so there's a lot of stuff like that. I mean, you know, a lot of those kind of psycho... Okay. You know, I can't really, yeah, I can't, I can't, the only one that came to mind was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I feel like that's the most mainstream. And that, they very loosely based, I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre really has very little in common with Ed Gein other than taxidermy, grave robbing, that that type stuff, but not really. And wearing people's faces. I don't know how much he did that though. I, I don't made really... lampshades out of them. Oh, weird right. Stuff like there you that. go. That's for sure. <laughs> I they guess that so. in the American Horror Story, he had like lampshades. But hey, they also did that in the Holocaust. So there's a lot of fucked up people. Um, oh my goodness. Show. That's weird. If you can think it, someone has done it. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I mentioned this on Twitter, Adam double dipped and he he uh, hit us up on Twitter. He said, I would love to hear... Uh, on Twitter, all I said was, hey, we're going to talk about Zodiac. Any questions, comments, future film requests, chime in below. And Adam replied with, I uh, would love to hear y'all's thoughts on Mother in the future. I know it's not exactly horror, but it's not, hor- it's not not horror either. 
Also, it may be the babysitter or better watch out. Keep slamming that evil. Slam evil! The babysitter is one that we've seen on Netflix. Not watched it, but... Seen it advertised, yeah. The babysitter and... um, Better watch out, I think, is also a Netflix joint. And Mother is one that when I first saw it on the trailer, I was like, oh, that looks amazing. But then the reviews came out and they made it sound like it was so... Um different and unique mm. one of those movies where it's like probably one of those movies where you either love it or you hate it or you might walk out and be like I don't know what happened yeah um so all right I'm, I'm definitely interested in, interested in how was it mother mother, <laughs> mother. yeah I've uh I've heard that the marketing for that movie was all wrong like it, it's marketed as a horror movie but it's mm-hmm. not at all and uh, yeah. like I I know with like it's like a you know, an allegory for whatever. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, I heard that get, gets in the way of the movie a little bit. At all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't want. To, that's okay. that's yeah, why yeah. I stopped myself. I didn't want to, okay. in case somebody <laughs> hadn't heard. But it. Interesting. Uh, it's one of those movies that I've never had any interest in watching. Though. Right. Is it because but, of <laughs> like how the trailer looked, or like the actors in it? No, I mean the actors are fine. I. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just saw the trailer and I was like. Don't care about this. Yeah. <laughs> and then when I heard what it, like it was like an allegory for something else, and I was just like, wow, no, really don't care. About this. <laughs> and it might be good. I don't know. Well, like, but I do remember I felt a little bad because um, that w- I think it came out the same weekend as uh, the Bye Bye Man, and uh, you know the Bye Bye Man was a runaway success, and and this looked like this garbage. It looked like hot garbage, yeah. and uh, Mother came out, and it just fell out of theaters immediately. Yeah. Like, it was one of those deals that just kind of died. And I remember feeling, like, a small pang of guilt because I'm always one of those people that's like, oh, I would love some original horror or just original movies in general. And, like, I didn't go out and support something that was trying to be something different. We've and Bye Bye Man was huge. a couple you know? of times at that because that's one of the reasons why we saw it came at, comes at night and yes. we left yeah. pretty disappointed with that, yeah. too. Well, I wasn't disappointed by the movie. It just was marketed as a horror movie, and it's not a horror movie. I thought it was a good movie, though. Yeah, I, I thought it was it was fine. <laughs> it was just kind of like... I think the impulse for marketing is like... let's You know, it's called It Comes at Night, and let's market it as a horror movie. And all they used in the trailer were, like, the dream sequences in It Comes at Night that were, like, creepy and scary. Huh. But otherwise, if you think of that movie, it's just a slow burn, you know, character yeah. study. Um, and it, it's like a post-apocalyptic yeah. thing where, like, there's some kind of disease that only you can only get at nighttime. So everybody, like, holds right. up in their house at night. I'm just ruining this movie for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> it's also sadness porn, too. It's kind of like yeah. one of those movies that's, like, everything bad happens to these characters. And it's like, don't you feel bad now? And it's like, well, yeah. But that's not really that hard I to do. I don't even, like, remember what it was uh, that comes at night. Or it, it's anything. just some kind of disease or... It is a disease. Okay. Some kind of virus or something that mm-hmm. goes around. Because in the daylight, they go out and it's fine. But at night, they're... They're holed up in the house and they're like putting mm. gas masks on or whatever if they have to go outside. I for see. Reason. And the trailer kind of made it seem like it was I mean, it's, a monster or something. Well, yeah, they kept showing the grandpa character and like the dream sequences the teenager was having of his grandpa, where his grandpa had like bleeding eyes and mm. was all like, oh, you know, acting r- ridiculous. Um, but those were just dream sequences. They, mm. they were never in the movie proper, you know, as like a narrative element. So. Mm. Um, I don't think it was as mismarketed as, say, uh, the notorious uh, catfish. Yeah. So, what's the next move? 
I think we drive up to Megan's farm in Michigan. This is it. This is it. Just pull up. You want to drive into the driveway? Yeah. Are you crazy? What do you mean? Drive into the driveway. What do you mean? Don't drive. back into it. Why not? Because then we can't see what's in front of us. I'm a little scared. This place gives me creeps. Let's go. just found like the tip of the iceberg you gotta stop no hammer down that was literally marketed as a horror film and you go and it's a documentary about people on the internet it's not quite, it's not quite what they were catfish I, I was literally catfished by that movie I just I that's can't, a good point yeah we were totally catfished was, by catfish they made it seem like it was the next Blair Witch Project or, or maybe even more tantalizing you know tantalizing whatever and it was just it was like wow that that lady on the internet wasn't who I thought she was. Like, that was the whole movie. Like, yeah, and I was, at the end of the movie, I was like, was that the first time this guy's ever been on the internet? Yeah, right? Like, like has he not had, the, it was like 2009. Has he never, yeah, and he's a young man. Yeah, like, how did like, he not know? Is it like pretend to be other people on the internet? That's insane. <laughs> I need to make a documentary about this. Hilarious. And I'm going to blow everyone's mind. Yeah, they did, except for us. We all talk about catfish. You get so mad. <laughs> I get so passionate. I, I, we need to do an episode. That should be a, a half-ass horror. Ad, our friend Adam, which I'm now I'm obsessed with Adam apparently because he's, he's I'm bringing him up, but uh, he pitched the idea of us doing half ass forecast nights where we talk about really quick subjects and it's just like 10, 20 minute long episodes. We should do one on catfish, even though we've already talked about it at yeah, length on I mean, this podcast. Pretty much like all we have to say is just like how enraged we are that they lied to us and that people thought it, that was the thing that blew me away about it was that everyone else thought it was so I'm amazing. fascinated by like, it. Like everyone I talked to, I'm like, have you seen this catfish movie? They're like, yeah, it was great. Ooh. I'm like. Did we watch the same movie? I mean, like, like it is such, it's such a logical thing to me. Like, I, I just don't understand why it was such a big deal to people. Um, unless you were, like, a middle-aged, uh, you know, person that didn't get on the internet ever. And you were like, wow, there's this whole subculture. But, I mean, I just feel like everyone else kind of knows, even in the infancy of social media, that there are people that fake yeah. their identities. And, and, I mean, even just think of, like, the subtle ways people do that when they can... Uh, use uh, apps and filters to make themselves look different. Yeah. You know, like already right out the gate, people are doing it without even, you know what I mean? Being trans, they're being transparent about it. It's like they're <laughs> scraping away all the wrinkles and, uh, you know, so yeah, go oh, catfish. Uh, my heart, my heart rate raised when catfish got brought up. <laughs> but maybe the babysitter or better watch out. This might be kind of fun movies um, to check out at some point. They're like, on Netflix and stuff, yeah. so you never know. That might be. Those are good suggestions. You watch out. So, as always, thank you for uh, interacting with us and following us on the social networking and we love commenting. You. You're amazing. <laughs> For a little bit of 
half-assed horror trivia. But this time, I'm the host. Yeah. I got a little bit tired of winning so much. Whoa. <laughs> so I wanted to be, relax and be the host. So now we're gonna we're gonna listen to Jeff trounce me because we're gonna play Zodiac trivia. <laughs> but you Fresh just saw everybody's mind. You just saw the movie too. Okay, fair enough. The same rules apply, correct? Yes. You buzz in with your name. If you get it, you get two points. Mm -hmm. And then if you need multiple choice, you get one one point. Cumero, numero, uno. Okay, question one. What does it say on the buttons that Paul Avery and his co-workers start wearing? Craig! No. Craig. I'm not Paul Avery. Well, those are that's not an option. Jeff. <laughs> <So>. <Yeah. laughs> yes. I'm not Avery. That is an option. Are we okay? <laughs> oh God. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. I'm not Avery. That is correct. So that's two. I mean, points. technically, Craig got that. I mean, that's like... It, no, no, he no. He said, I'm not Paul Avery. That's not that's the true. That's true. What, what was the issue there? I don't understand. Because what, he what? said, I'm not Avery, and technically it's I am not Avery. Listen, language matters. I didn't know. The, okay. <laughs> it didn't. You should just say... <laughs> well, okay. Let's just keep going. So oh, Jeff man. gets that? Oh, this is going to be tough. I don't A lot of editing here. Me. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Inspector Tashi played by Mark Ruffalo, walks out of a special screening of which movie for the... Craig! Oh. Uh, yes, Craig. Dirty Harry. That is correct. According to Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, what is hidden underneath the waters of Lake Berryessa? Uh, Are they in the movie? Uh, <laughs> you want to do this multiple choice? Yeah. Multiple choice. A Boeing 737, an ancient Native American burial ground, a city, barrels of gold. Craig. Yeah. I'm going to say a city. That is correct. Who were those two people? Oh, I only get one point for that. Who were oh. those two people? Uh, I'm guessing the, the couple that was... was the, in the car? No, the ones that were by Lake Berryessa that were in the... Oh, that makes sense. Okay. Duh. Paul says that the symbol the Zodiac Killer uses looks like what? Jeff. Yes. Crosshairs of a gun. Of a gun sight. Crosshairs of a gun sight. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, goodness. <laughs> What's it? Crosshairs? The option, only options were gun sights. Okay. Crosshairs wasn't given. Why are people... I mean, what is going on? <laughs> Jeopardy. All right, your 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 job as host is to keep things on track. Let's go. Let's go. What? Don't argue with us. Just lay down the law. You're a lawyer for crying out loud. This is why language matters. Next you want, question. You want to run it that way? You run it that way. What Boom. is what is the occupation of the first person to crack the cipher? Jeff. Yes. Teacher. Correct. Next question. Which of the following newspapers does not receive the first cipher the Zodiac Killer makes? Craig. Yes. The San Francisco Chronicle. 
Isn't that where they work? <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I had no chance of getting that right, so I was going to... Yeah, cho- give me the The choice. Vallejo Times, Alameda Tribune, or the San Francisco Examiner? Uh, San Francisco Examiner. Wrong. The correct answer was Alameda Tribune. Alameda, Alameda. Tribune. Who said... Should we do this one? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Who said... Methinks our friend's a tad bit fuckered in the head. <laughs> Jeff. Paul Avery. Correct. Sounds like a very... Paul Avery uh, thing to say. What's his name thing to say? Where does author Lee Allen say he got his watch? Craig. Yes. <laughs> his wife gave it to him. That's not an option. <laughs> There's an option for an anniversary gift from his ex-wife. Do you want to go with that one? Yes. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was hopeful. I was like, oh, I'll pull this uh, Give me the multiple choice. <laughs> it was a Christmas present from his mother. It was left to him by his father. It was a birthday gift from his sister. Mm, sister. Incorrect. It was a present from his mother. Mm. Next question. What kind of gun does the Zodiac Killer say he used to shoot Mike McGough and Darlene Farron in the beginning of the movie? I would love to hear the options. Yes, please. 38 Special, 9mm Luger, 44 Magnum, 22... B. Luger. Luger? Yeah. What the hell? Correct. That question cleared up something for me because in the movie, I, for, I thought Darlene was the one at the lake, but Darlene was the one in the car, which makes sense. We don't need these asides, Kia. We're focused Jeez. on a, a I'm the host. You guys are being rude to the host. The Zodiac Killer tells Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard that he killed a guard while escaping from a prison in what state? Craig. Craig. Arizona. Not an option. <laughs> Pennsylvania. What? <laughs> Only one answer to the question. Jeff, would you like the choice? If it's Pennsylvania, I'm going to shit myself. He <laughs> uh, uh, escaped from prison? I don't know. Uh, give me options. Why? What? You said your name. What? What? Oh, I thought you said your name. It didn't, wouldn't matter if you said it. I don't know Very well. Very well. You're the host. Wyoming, Montana. I'm confused. What? Nothing. <laughs> Wyoming, Montana, Nevada, Colorado. Montana, Colorado, what? Wyoming and Nevada. Nevada. Incorrect. Hmm. The answer is Montana. Sorry. Well, who couldn't escape from prison in Montana? <laughs> What items in the diner does Robert use to show the connection between Darlene Farron and author Lee Allen? Jeff. Jeff. Salt shaker and pepper shaker. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) (laughs) What's the problem? (laughs) The score. Give us an update on the score, Kia. The score is is 11, Jeff. Craig, three. <laughs> I'm going to come from behind. Give me that question. <laughs> okay. Who said, just because you can't prove it doesn't mean it's not true? Craig. <laughs> yes. Graysmith said it. Fucking Graysmith said it. Correct. 
Oh my goodness. Okay, which of these items does the Zodiac Killer leave behind after he murders the cab driver? Craig! Craig. Uh, gloves. <gasps> Correct! Yeah. Now we got ourselves a game, ladies and gentlemen. What is the name of the bar where the newspapermen from the San Francisco Chronicle... Craig! Craig. The Blue Oyster Motherfuckers! I don't know. I don't know. You're gonna, I don't remember uh, it. Um... The Blue Oyster Motherfucker. Do you want the... <laughs> <laughs> what is the name of the bar where the newspapermen from the Chronicle gather after work? Do you want options? Yeah. Colstags, Morty's, McGuffins, or Byron's? Oh, Morty's. Morty's. That's what, that's what the Gremlin is named. I don't know. You remember? Check out our half-assed horror cast YouTube channel that features Morty the Gremlin. <laughs> According to Robert's library book, when was the Zodiac alphabet code written? Um, Craig. Yes. Middle Ages? Hmm. Correct. Wow. Yeah. For real? Now, very close. I can't do math, but that looks like nine. Nine, 11, uh, nine, nine to twelve. Melvin Belly is said to have appeared... Melvin Belly, played by Brian Cox, is said to have appeared on which of these television shows? Craig. Star Trek. Correct. I knew that. It's, it's almost time. Which of these things mm. does Inspector Tashi, played by Mark Ruffalo, love to eat? Craig. Yes. Animal crackers. Wow. Craig has now taken the lead. No. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. <laughs> when they meet after watching Dirty Harry, how does Inspector Tashi respond when Robert says he believes Tashi will catch the Zodiac? It's in quotes. The we answers need, are in quotes. We need, quotes. We quotes. Quotes. We need mm-hmm. the, the choices. Well, I need the choices. Yeah. And it would still be worth two, I would think. That sure. Seems fair. Okay. Bud, he's already a movie star. Pal, they're already making movies about it. Jeff. That one. <laughs> B. B. Correct. Why was Darlene Farron late to pick up Mike Mago? Mm. Craig. I don't know she was constantly. <laughs> she had the shits. <laughs> well, if you have the shits, you're probably she had bubble gut. <laughs> she had bubble gut. Bubble gut. <laughs> she just kept shitting. <laughs> and she's all like, I can't get Stop. to a phone. It's the 70s, so she couldn't get to a phone. She's, she's just on the potty. <laughs> Wiping. <laughs> Sorry, I had the shits. <laughs> Wiping. Well, let's go make a love then on the <laughs> cliff up here. With our ass um, crumbs. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you like dingle pig. <laughs> <laughs> but he don't give a fuck. <laughs> Alright, please continue. Do you remember the question? Okay, she was trying to buy booze. She had to wait for her parents to fall asleep. She had a flat tire. She was looking for fireworks. Booze. I know this one. Oh, wrong. <laughs> I was wrong too. She was looking for fireworks. Well, you were about ready to give Jeff points for that. That's all right. Yeah. Who said, I look forward to the day when police officers are no longer referred to as pigs? Oh. Craig. Yeah. Oh. Uh, the. I don't know his name. Alan. Was that his yes. name? Do you get options? No. Nope. Oh, no. 
Craig in the lead. Is it what? Yeah, what? I'm just the wondering. The score is 15 to 14. In favor of Craig. What does Inspector Tashi accidentally break when Bill calls him in the middle of the night? Jeff. Yes. Lamp. Correct. I love lamp. <laughs> <laughs> Who was offended that Robert riffled through their wastebasket in order to Craig. gain... Yeah. Paul Avery. Paul Avery was livid. Correct. Oh, my goodness. I thought you were... Um, you still I mean, I still... <laughs> what, what type of food does Bill say he always wanted to try? Bill, Craig. Oh, go ahead. Uh, sushi. I knew that one. Japanese food. Correct. I should have played this quiz. I might have had a chance too since we just watched it. Oh, since I'm doing okay. <laughs> I might have. If, if well, a brain dead idiot like no, Craig can do okay. I know then. some of the answers. What is the last thing Inspector Tashi tells Robert to do in their final meeting over breakfast? Also in quotes, so I'll give you yeah. the choices. Leave me alone. <laughs> go talk to your wife. Let this go. Finish the book. Jeff. Finish the book. That's correct. Ooh. Ooh. We, 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 yeah, okay, yeah, that's right. We, we decide. Never mind, go ahead. Two more questions. In his first letter, what is the name of the ammo the Zodiac Killer says he used for his Christmas murder? I'll definitely need options for that. Yeah, yeah okay. Um, American Eagle, Super X, Gold Dot, Blazer Brass. Jeff. Yes. Super X? Correct. Is that, oh, wow. is that two points? Yeah. Is that how that works? Okay. I'm the winner! <laughs> you you definitely you I'll the final, damn it. The, <laughs> the final score is Jeff 20, you Craig 19. That was a real humdinger. It certainly was. <laughs> it was close. When I when I played, it's never that close. Two Titans went head to head. That was good. That was half-ass horror trivia. Thank you. That was a good um, game. At the end of every episode, we talk about what's making us scared this week in the horror community. Leading the discussion will be Jeff. Jeff. What's making me scared? Yes. <laughs> A little movie I saw on Netflix called Super Dark Times. Ah! Guys, my parents rented that movie, True Lies. I've watched that scene where she strips over and over and over. Silver Surfer is the loneliest dude in the galaxy. I mean, the Punisher is pretty haunted. You have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Allison Bannister. Hi. Would you? I don't know. I like her. Yeah, I like her too. He's got a thing for me. I like you, Zach. She's hot, like Charlie's sister. Oh my god. Yeah. Let me see that. Give it back. Sir. You want it? Come and get it. Stop. Stop. Do you remember Daryl Harper? I had a call from his mom. Guess he never came home last night. Did you see him at school today? There's just a lot going on right now. Tosh? 
We should go back. What? I don't know, but I just keep thinking of his mom. Don't go back there. You need to listen to no, me. No, you need to listen to yourself. You're scared all the time. If anyone asks, we're not friends. I'm not getting any sleep. I know how you feel. No, you don't know how I feel. What's happening, friends? We all saw this recently. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's good. We were all snowed, this little reference. We were all snowed in. Everyone was snowed in, and we were all watching movies at home. And Super Dark Times on Netflix entertained us. Yeah, I was uh, like you said, snowed in, and I was just looking through recently added movies, and I would would stop on one that looked interesting and look up the trailer, and I saw that, and I was like, that looks like it might be interesting. So we all watched it, but you know. You watched it here. I watched it when I was sitting in my place. Yeah. We were texting. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's a surprisingly good movie that I'd never even heard of. So And nice 90s nostalgia. So if you grew up in that era, it's set in the 90s. It's uh, very atmospheric and somewhat realistic depictions of teenagers, I think. Um, hmm. yeah. It opens with the scene of kids watching scrambled porn, which brought a lot of memories back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's... Uh, <laughs> And it's not like, it, it's sort of like, you know, how Stranger Things is set in the 80s, but it's not like, you know, neon colors, like all these, like, you right. know, typical things. It's it's very kind of, like, at first it kind of, I didn't even realize it was set in the 90s when it first started, and then uh, later I was like, oh, oh, okay, I get it now. I thought it was 80s, actually, and then you told me it was it was 90s. I forgot what I tipped me sh- off, but there was something. They showed a yearbook picture that mm. looks like 80s hair to me. Really? Um also, like the music in the movie, there's that, uh, that, yeah, I, I, yeah, shit. Um, yeah, I recognize it as yeah. well. It was like the hit of like, yeah, that song was like really. That was like '96 around in the yeah. Afternoon. I mean, yeah. that's a very like it's weird because like that song in particular, I was like, whoa, that was a great choice because that's a song that like. Was popular for like a few months. And like did not survive. Yeah. yeah it was, what yeah. song? I don't think I've ever heard it. Uh, it's called by the you heard Primitive it Radio Me. Gods. It's called. It's, it's like, the band is called Primitive Radio Gods. I forget the name. It's like something like they have some really stupid long name. Like mm. that had nothing to do with the song. Hmm. I'll drop it in here. Yeah. Mm. Something about a phone booth. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was some other song that like when they he was in that girl's bedroom and they were playing mm. some song and I was like oh that's another 90s song I forgot about and, and also the, some of the kids had computers and they were playing stuff like Minesweeper and yeah stuff that was like funny that, 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 that reminded me of so that long. yeah yeah so. do you want to get like say what it's about real quickly oh yeah I mean it's about I feel like uh, I don't want to like not giving you not giving anything away but yeah it's just about these teenagers and they uh, there's a, an accident occurs and uh Shit gets fucked up. It's good. Yeah, it's kind of how, it's really the, how good, these yeah. kids deal with a, a tragedy and, uh, you know, it kind of spirals out from there. It gives you a few twists and turns. It's not exactly what you think. So. Yeah, and it's really, really tense, especially towards the end. Yeah. yeah. It gets very intense. Yeah. So. That's good. Uh, there, and there's also one sequence in particular that I think really uh, is super effective and I think made Kia, like, 
you were like, oh, fuck, like that type of thing <laughs> when it happened. So I can't get too specific, um, just in case you watch it. Um, yeah, great choice. What was it called again? Super Dark Times. Super Dark Times. Which is yes. really hard for me to remember for some reason. Yeah. Well, I... And it's also like a, it's a terrible title for a good movie. Mm. So... I it sounds I, like something a teenager would say, though, I think, yeah. of that era. It's such a dark time. Yeah. <laughs> it does sound like yeah. that. I think that's why they chose it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I never thought of that before. That's funny. Nice, <laughs> nice, nice uh, pick, Jeffrey. <laughs> My pick? Kia, what's I'm your pick for what's making you scared this week? As always, it's something book-related. So I think this author was recommended to me on Goodreads. I think it was just like their app has recommendations for you. I think that's how I found it. And his name is Michael McDowell. And he writes, or wrote, because he's deceased now, um, horror movies, or horror novels. And um, his first one, that was his seventh book, but the first one that was published is called The Amulet. And that's the one I'm reading right now. Um, and he also wrote a book called The Elementals, which I've seen described as one of the scariest books of all time. And he's very highly um, recommended by Stephen King. And The Amulet is a book from 1979, and in addition to writing books, he wrote the screenplay for Beetlejuice, Tales from the Dark Side of the Movie, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Thinner. So mm-hmm. I think he became more popular for that, but he has so. these Southern Gothic books that, so far The Amulet is super, super, super awesome. Those are some hallmarks, those movies. Those I are like some really cool ones. Yeah. yeah. And um, he writes Southern Gothic literature, which which I know it seems like it's a, a big interest of, of Craig because that's yeah. what you're really into. And he's from Alabama, and he was a gay man that grew up in Alabama in, like, I think the 50s and the 60s. So, obviously, that's going to... Um, unique wor- worldview. A unique worldview. Yeah. And uh, uh, the person who wrote the preface, I think that's how I'm saying it correctly, for the amulet mentioned that the fact that he used gay characters in his in his stories in like the late seventies and the eighties might have kept him from being as popular like as popular as like a Stephen King. So um so I'm excited about this author because he has several books I'm gonna check out and I'm a four he died in nineteen ninety nine so you know there's only so many books he wrote. But um yeah. So his name is Michael McDowell. And the the one you're reading now is the amulet. The one I'm reading, the amulet, and then the mm-hmm. next one is the elementals. That's the one that's been described as one of the most <clears throat> terrifying books of all time. Ooh. And then he has um, some other books that I'm gonna check out. I just have these two right now. I like that cover to elementals. Yeah, it's a cool cover. And his books, the the person who wrote the preface also mentioned that his books have been out of print. I think before 1999. So I think these are all more recently. Yeah, they all the the covers editions. of these books that you're showing us look kind of modern like they look yeah. kind of like I redone think the amulet or... edition is from 2013 so mm. it's just crazy that this guy that had such a great reputation is just kind of isn't and and wrote significant iconic movies especially like beetlejuice yeah overlooked um, by the mainstream a little bit yeah, yeah. wow Very thanks cool. goodreads for the recommendation <laughs> michael mcdowell michael mcdowell um What's making me, Craig, scared this week? I have a, coup, a few quick shots. A coup. And also a coup. <laughs> um, uh, it's the 200th anniversary of Frankenstein. It was published wow. in 1818 of January. January of 1818, the year of our Lord. And uh, I reread it every winter. Uh, so roughly Christmas time, I reread uh, Frankenstein. 
And it's always fun to, to see the DNA of science fiction and modern horror was laid out by a 19-year-old uh, in 1818. You know, it's just crazy to think about. You that know was just I mean? like, we're snowed in or something. Yeah, <laughs> on a, it's, it's thunder, storms, city, and for fun, we're going to make up scary stories. And that's what she came up with. And it's like revolutionary and... It's just crazy how much of it still holds up. And again, it's just funny. To, it's fun to see how much of it we've taken into modern times, you know, and, and how much of it is hallmarks of horror and science fiction. Um, and it's pretty much all at her <laughs> at her doorstep, you know. It's just, it's just really neat. Mary Shelley. Uh, so that's always fun. Uh, it's always fun to, to read every year but I, I didn't realize until this month that it was a 200 anniversary i had no i didn't think about even it even when i so. hear her name it sounds very dark to me yeah i guess it's kind of yeah yeah i just associate connotation. Her, like horror and yeah. darkness to me. and if you read about her life it's it's very tragic and you can see a lot of what she's writing about she's dealing with uh uh, she had several miscarriages and children die young and that sort of thing. So that's why she's grappling with this idea of uh, life and death and morality and everything. Uh, she wrote it originally in 1818, but it's reissued, I think, in 1830, around in there. So when she aged a little bit, she kind of, like, re revamped it, you know, kind of. So a lot of that is later. Um, but anyway, so that, that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is a uh, Buffy rewatch. Uh, Kia and I have been watching uh, the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, why am I saying the original? Just the TV show, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And it's one of those things, every now and then I'll pop in an episode and watch it, just randomly. But for the most part, I haven't watched it from beginning to end. Maybe since it aired, I, you know, as far as every literally every episode. And it's been really fun to watch it as an adult. Like, as someone, someone basically middle-aged, watching these teenagers in the 90s, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, we're about ready to finish season three already. Mm -hmm. We've steamrolled a lot of it. And um, this has been a lot of fun to, to kind of watch the prism as an older person. It, also, in this year of our Lord, 2018, how much of it is kind of like... Uh, I don't know how much of it would fly nowadays. And it's, so it's kind of fun to kind of think about that yeah. stuff, too, you know? Um, but if you're a fan and you haven't watched it in a while, I strongly recommend you revisit it. And if you're someone that overlooked it back in the day because you thought... Shame on you. Well, no, you just thought it was no, a silly WB shame. show. Um, maybe give it a chance. You might like it a lot more. Because, uh, again, like a lot of like episodic television that we're all into now where it's season arcs and... Buffy kind of started that in a lot of ways. And the term so. the big bad, that's from Buffy. That's a Whedon thing. That's right. like, mm. that gets used and thrown around with everything. And it's like, that's where it comes from. You've never heard I that. could talk. You know? <laughs> I feel like I hear it a lot, but you hear it, it might be because of us. In, with like movies or yeah. TV shows that are, are episodic, the big bad. I hear that. Yeah, the main villain of a season. Often. Or, yeah. Um, but yeah, and if you do watch it and you watch that first season, hang in there. The first season, it's just setting the scene. Yeah. But it gets so good and yeah. so dark and just very, mm. it's very good. And uh, if you're if you're in the '90s nostalgia, that's kind of a thing that's emerging. Uh, this is definitely the show to watch because it's very, it's very steeped in the '90s. So get ready, buckle up. Um, one other quick thing: I finished uh, the Garage here at Half Hast Horrorcast headquarters, and uh, I'll probably put it up on our blog. But it's in all of our social networking: Twitter and uh, Instagram. Uh, but just check out uh, the decor that I have up in our garage. It's pretty 
thorough. I have a lot of stuff in there, and it's been something that I've been kind of slowly working on since Halloween, so it's really cool to have it kind of officially done. I've spiked the ball, and every time, every day when I get home from work or go to work out, uh, I have this, like, kind of like Pee-wee's Playhouse of horror going on in, in the garage, so it's really cool. So, And thank you for Kia for allowing me to do it. I appreciate it. You're welcome. So that's what's making us scared. Kia, yes. it's your turn oh, yeah. to choose a film for us to talk about on this motherfucking podcast. Wow. I'm choosing a movie from 1981 called The Prowler. Have you seen it? Nope. Excellent. No one has seen this movie. I mean, other people have seen this movie. No one has seen <laughs> It's unseen. I've seen this. I only saw a snippet of it, but there's a particular scene that made me go, oh, this would be great for the, the podcast for fun. It's from 1981. It has like a 60% of Rotten Tomatoes, but it said that it's developed like a cult following. And it's um, a little synopsis. It says, a crazed World War II veteran gets revenge on his ex-girlfriend and her boyfriend, then stalks teens. Yay. Hmm. Side and, project. Um, <laughs> well, I'm doing this. I'll kill two birds with um, one stone. I think you said you saw earlier that Tom Savini said it was like his favorite project that he worked yeah, on. Yeah, Tom Savini apparently did the makeup effects, and yeah. he considers this his best work. Yeah. So, so there's some um, really cool scenes of yeah. some gore. The, and the scene that I saw that made me want to watch it was a gory scene. I was like, I don't think I've ever seen this before, uh, so I really want to. Wow. Let's talk about it. So, The Prowler, 1981. Cool. I think it's available on Amazon, Amazon Prime. Prime. Yeah, I checked before we selected it, or before you selected it, excuse me. And it came on cable, so it also might be on demand, too. So so 1981's The Prowler, Kia's pick for next time. Join us, won't you? Bye. Bye. Oh, it's all staying in, baby. <laughs> don't we usually say goodbye? Or don't we sign off? Yeah. I think we, don't we just say, like, hey, thanks. Was... All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, fuck all y'all! <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Half-Assed Horrorcast. You can find us on Instagram at Half-Assed Horrorcast, Facebook at Half-Assed Horror, Twitter at H-A Horrorcast, and you can send us an email at Horrorcast at gmail.com or visit our website, HalfAssedHorrorcast.com. Yeah.